We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Packaday Podcast. You can get all your Packaday updates by following us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. And remember, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can always check us out over at CheeseheadTV.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I'm here with Andrew Mertzig. Welcome, Andrew. It is good to be back for another Friday edition of the podcast. Yeah, it's it's great to be back. It's June. The weather is turning nice outside of this tropical storm that went through Green Bay. And uh, we reportedly have some training camps on the schedule. So it's it's exciting. Yeah, it's really exciting to see football back on the calendar, even if it is just training camp, um, because we all know that that points to a season, and we're hoping um, that that happens. So we'll take any hope that we can get for football this fall. And since it looks like we are going to get a 2020 season, Andrew and I started a new project last Friday uh, with which we are turning our attention to the Packers' 2020 opponents. Uh, We want to put each of these teams under the microscope a little bit because in just a few months, we are going to want to know as much about their opponents as possible. And so we want to take a look at the off seasons that each of these teams had, uh, their free agency moves, their draft, coaching moves, whatever, uh, to go ahead and just get a more accurate picture of these teams that Green Bay will be facing this season. So uh, we're starting with our division rivals, and then in a couple weeks, we'll take a look at Green Bay's 10 other opponents that they'll face this season. Uh, But last week, we got started with Minnesota, and so if you missed that episode, make sure you go back and give that one a listen and get caught 
caught up there. Uh, but today we are continuing in the north with another pesky team that Green Bay faces twice a year. And today is all about those Chicago Bears. Uh, we want to take a look at Chicago and what they've done over the last couple months to try to get a better understanding of what they did uh, to get a little bit better on their roster there after coming off a pretty disappointing season um, and setting some pretty lofty expectations, really, with a great 2018 season. So I'm excited uh, to jump right in here and catch up on what the Bears have done in these months of the offseason, Andrew. Yeah, and I just wanted to clarify before we get started, uh, if, if you tuned in to Wednesday's show, the gang had Sarah Spain from ESPN as a guest on the show, and she talked about the Bears. Uh, she talked about the Bears offseason, and so um, that was really cool. It was a great episode. Go back and listen if you get a chance. Um, but just to differentiate, because these shows are two days apart, Sarah was talking about the Bears as a Bears fan, um, and I, I thought she brought a lot of humor and, and a lot of energy uh, into that, but we're going to try to break down the Bears offseason and, and moves and, and strategy, so hopefully this will have a little bit different focus and won't be too repetitive if you did happen to catch Wednesday's show, but uh, the Bears... Uh, they went 8-8 eight and eight in 2019, and it is really easy to write them off as a mediocre team. But after a really embarrassing offensive performance in Week 1 against the Packers, they rattled off three straight wins, and then they struggled. They, they followed that up with four straight losses, and that basically just ended their season. But they did finish 5-3. and three. They looked a little bit better. Um, and so, you know, they went out and, and they made some moves. Uh, <laughs> they made a lot of moves. I, I don't know how we'll, we'll talk later about whether we thought these moves actually made them better. Sometimes you're just shuffling deck chairs around the Titanic. But, um, you know, I, I think they at least did some interesting stuff. And, and probably the most notable thing in, in, you know, free agency and trade market that they did was acquiring quarterback Nick Foles for a fourth round pick. Uh, Foles has the Matt Nagy connection. So, of course, we know about that connection back when Nagy was with the Eagles. But then also, in addition, uh, Nick Foles did spend a little bit of time in Kansas City with the Chiefs, and Matt Nagy was, uh, I believe, his offensive coordinator there. And a lot of Bears fans are excited about Foles potentially pushing Mitch Trubisky, maybe even taking over that starting position uh, right away or as as the season goes on. But you have to ask the question, is this going to be the Super Bowl run, Nick Foles with the Eagles, or the guy uh, who's basically played for any other team, right? He got cut by Kansas City. Uh, he was traded basically jettisoned for a fourth round pick by Jacksonville because they trusted Gardner Minshew more than Nick Foles. So I know he gets a ton of, um, uh, he, he gets a ton of hype because he led a team to a Super Bowl. That's a big deal, but he has not shown that he can be a really good quarterback anywhere outside of Philadelphia. So that's going to be an interesting storyline. And man, I'm going to take a lot of I'm going to take a lot of time for this, Kyle. I should probably just go back and edit this out before I say it. I, I feel embarrassed say for it. myself. I think Mitch Trubisky might be better than people think. Oh, and no. He, he did play through an injury last year, and the Bears really limited the parts of the offense that get him out in space and make him somewhat effective. Like, that's the best part of his game, right? Like, getting out and moving and, and being a threat with his legs, and that creates some of the passing game. So I'm wondering if we don't see a little bit of a bounce back this year where Mitch Trubisky can at least outplay Nick Foles. You, you ready? Just you ready to give leave? yourself a solid break right there. So if you decide <laughs> to go back and edit that out, you can... I'm going to let people... I don't even know what word I would say. I was like, what was that? 
But I don't know. I'm going <laughs> to ponder that for a little while, and I'm just going to sit here embarrassed. But um, they also acquired Edge Robert Quinn. Uh, they gave him a five-year, $70 million contract. Robert Quinn's only 30 years old, Kyle. Did you know that? I did not know that. Thank you for that and, nugget. Yeah, he feels like he's been in the league since, like, 1995 or so like he he went from from the LA Rams to the St. Louis Rams back to the LA Rams yeah I, I don't know Robert Quinn feels ageless but he still has some good years left in his prime he had 11 and a half sacks last year across from DeMarcus Lawrence in Dallas and now he's going to get a chance to play opposite of Khalil Mack so that could potentially be a really big move and, and help the Bears to kind of reclaim that number one defense that they had two years ago uh, then they went out and they signed tight end Jimmy Graham uh, James Graham I'm unfamiliar with him uh, <laughs> but he he signed a two year 16 million dollar contract so he must be a pretty darn good tight end to command that kind of money uh, you know in seriousness I have no clue what the Bears saw in Graham. I thought Jimmy Graham, if he, he wanted to stay in the league, was going to have to sign like a four or five million dollar prove-it deal. Uh, was not expecting two years, was not expecting those kind of numbers. And, you know, they're banking on a bounce back from a guy who could not be productive with Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. And they expect him to suddenly revert to Saints era Jimmy Graham, except now he's catching passes from Mitch Trubisky or Nick Foles. So, yeah, sounds like a recipe to success for me. It sounds yeah, good. That, that one is a head scratcher. Uh, you know, after that, you get Edge, Barkevius Mingo, tight end Demetrius Harris, cornerback Artie Burns, uh, tackle Jermaine Effetti, and safety Jordan Lucas. All were, were pretty uh, small deals. Uh, I know there's some optimism that Effetti could step in for the Bears and, and maybe be a swing tackle or something. He, he had some struggles in Seattle, already burns. Uh, they're hoping for a bounce back. Uh, he was drafted pretty high by the Pittsburgh Steelers and, and really struggled um, there. So we'll see what they can get out of those guys as well. But the losses, they really stacked up. So you get Edge Leonard Floyd, and certainly Floyd never lived up to his draft pick. But he was at least somebody you could beat off the edge. Um, you, you would think Robert Quinn is going to lapse his production very early on um, as a Chicago Bear. But then the Bears, they lose linebacker Nick Kwiatkowski. And, and you know, like he was a depth piece, but he, he was still a really important part of that roster. You got cornerback Prince Amukamara. Um, he struggled a little bit, but, you know, certainly a, a key veteran presence and, and you know, they're going to have to replace a starting cornerback um, to, to make up for the loss of a Mukamara. You got wide receiver Taylor Gabriel, who's still out as an unsigned free agent. <clears throat> Brian Glucons, pay attention. Um, and then you have offensive guard Kyle Long, who retired. And yes, it, it, he's suffered through injuries the last few years, but he was a key cog in that offensive line for, for quite a while. Uh, you got safety, haha, Clinton Dix. Uh, linebacker Kevin Pierre-Lewis, the other backup linebacker for the Chicago Bears. Edge Aaron Lynch, quarterback Chase Daniel, guard Ted Larson, tackle TJ Clemmings. So, you know, a lot of the depth on this roster was attacked. Um, and a few of those starting positions, and, and I don't know that they necessarily addressed a lot of those in free agency. I'm just still sitting here soaking up the fact that you talked up Mitch Trubisky for just a second there, but I'm trying to move on because for the sake of this episode, I think that that's important. Let's 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 go hot takey here. I think Mitch Trubisky can be a quarterback that is between 15 and 22 in the NFL. Okay, all right. I mean, I think Which is that that's fine. Right, right. I think that that's interesting because he's obviously 
one of the most ridiculed quarterbacks in the league at this point for good reason. You know, we'll talk a little bit more about that. But I mean, I think I think that there is a system in which he can find success. Obviously, the Bears didn't put him in that position last year. Um, I'm curious to see if he folds under the pressure of Foles. Didn't do that intentionally. Um, or if he really does uh, step up and take that um, as pressure to, to improve and, and to become a better player. So uh, we will see. Obviously, that's that's hard when you're the guy who's kind of been anointed the future and then you kind of get that rug pulled out from under you. So we'll see what Mitch does there and how he improves or regresses even further this year. Um, but, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how that plays out for the Bears. But for me, I had totally forgotten that Kyle Long retired before we started talking about the Bears for this episode. That's a big loss uh, for Chicago. As Andrew mentioned, he was a key cog for that team for a long time. Uh, but I really think the Foles edition is one to watch here because Mitch really was bad in 2019. We're not trying to gloss over that. He really, really was. He was holding this team back, and it, it didn't take – the, the, the development wasn't there. You wanted to see that step forward um, in that year of his of his rookie contract. But at the same time, there were several issues along the offensive line, and there weren't a ton of weapons stepping up and making plays after Allen Robinson. So I'm curious to see if Foles comes in and elevates this team to a point where he's named the starter, or if there are enough issues on the O-line and with these receivers that whoever the quarterback is going to be uh, is going to struggle. And who knows? Maybe Mitch will respond well to that competition, as I was saying, and as Andrew mentioned, is a possibility. Um, I know it's low-hanging fruit here to say this, but I really do think that the Foles edition is the most interesting one to watch with this team uh, because of the implications and what, obviously, Chicago is hoping happens um, with that addition and making this team better. But uh, let's go ahead and switch gears here from what they did in the free agency over to the draft. The Bears draft is an interesting one. And I think that there are some factors that play into evaluating this draft that we really have to consider to be fair. First, Chicago still does not have a first round pick in this class as they continue to pay for Khalil Mack. Uh, but they did have two second round picks getting one of those back in the Cleo Mack deal with the Raiders. So with that in mind, the Bears' first selection didn't come until 43 overall there in the second round, where they took tight end Cole Komet out of Notre Dame. And that is the pick that they got back from the Raiders in that deal. Later in round two, uh, with their original selection, they were slated to have there. They took Jalen Johnson, the cornerback from Utah. And then the Bears did not have a pick until the fifth round. So no first round pick for the Bears, no third or fourth round picks. Andrew mentioned that that fourth round pick went to Jacksonville for Nick Foles. So we know where that guy went. Uh, but I guess the good news is, if you want to look at that way, if you're a Bears fan, the Bears did make three selections in round five. So you had a little bit of a drought there. You get three players here. Uh, we've got Trevis Gibson, uh, the edge from Tulsa. And we got Kendall Vildor, the CB from uh, Georgia Southern, Darnell Mooney, the wide receiver from Tulane. Those are your your three guys you get there in round five. I know Vildor and Mooney had some fans on draft Twitter, but there is a big fall off here to the kind of talent that Chicago's collecting in round five after those first two picks in round two. Uh, we can talk about round seven if we want to. They had two selections there. Arlington Hambright, the guard from Colorado, and Lashavius Simmons, the guard from Tennessee State. I know everybody knows who that is and are really excited about what he brings to the offensive line. Um, but uh, this is a strange, strange class for Chicago because 
of all their picks, I think Jalen Johnson is the only one that you really expect to contribute right away. I would imagine we'll see Johnson starting opposite Kyle Fuller pretty quickly after the departure of Prince of Mucamara going to Vegas. Um, as long as Artie Burns doesn't surprise, I think that's a, that's a possibility he could come in and win that job um, if Johnson is not ready. But Cole Komet, even though he's their top pick, is seemingly behind Jimmy Graham, James Graham, as formerly mentioned, and maybe even Adam Shaheen at this point. And Packers fans are very familiar with Jimmy Graham and what expectations should be there. Uh, but the Bears paid Graham a lot of money to start. So I expect that that's where we'll see him um, on the field as a starter. So a really interesting class from Chicago and Komet and Jalen Johnson both have to hit because if they bust, really, if one of them busts, this is a Bears class that could be really, really hard to look at. Uh, it could be a really bad class looking back three years from now uh, when we go to evaluate this class. So really interesting to see how this uh, this turns out when we look back on this in history. Yeah, and I think the Jalen Johnson pick is perceived better than it actually is because he was getting that late round one hype really close to the draft. He 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 was one of those late push guys who people were like, well, maybe he'll sneak into the, the back end of the first round. Um, and I just never saw what was causing that hype. Um, I thought he was a second or third round pick, and, and that would be fine to take him there. Um, you know, my notes going back on Jalen Johnson where he has okay short area quickness. He lacks the hip movement and speed to be a mirror corner, uh, does okay in zone, best impressed man where he can get physical, good ball skills, strong tackler. So, I mean, I could see him being successful in that role, right? Like getting up and, and playing press man, letting um, – Letting Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn get to the corner, you know, you're not going to have to cover that long. Um, but from a value standpoint, I think he's just okay. And is he, he's going to have a little bit of a transition because if wide receivers are able to beat him with their hands in that press coverage, which most college corners struggle with that technique uh, very early on in their career, I don't know that you can just throw him out there and be a starter. And I don't know that you want Artie Burns to be your your corner two um, on this team either. So that, that's going to be an interesting development. Cole Komet was a third round value, but he was the best tight end in a really bad tight end class. So if you have a perceived need there, I get taking him slightly early to get the best value. And in the modern era of football, you get a player who can both catch and block. That's pretty solid. Um, also, you know, he's a Notre Dame kid and it's Chicago. So I, I, I'm, it's kind of like a happy story there. Um, <laughs> But I, I just personally don't get why the Bears perceive tight end as such a huge need. You know, I I don't know. Um, and then you have Travis Gibson from Tulsa. I think he's a really interesting developmental prospect in the fifth round. Um, my notes on him, great athleticism, straight line speed doesn't always show up on, st on tape. He, he ran better at the combine, honestly, than he looked on tape. But really good lateral movement and bend. He he doesn't have the ability at all to hold up in the run game right now. Um, he needs to work on his counter moves a little bit, but as a guy who can just come in and, and uh, you know, be a dedicated pass rusher to give a breather to Quinn or Mack once in a while and just beat you with speed, that, that's an interesting player. Um, I did not really have a lot uh, positive to say about the rest of their draft class. Other than Arlington Hambright and Lechavius Simmons are two really good names. They sound like Packer names. You know, we know the Packers like their good names. So Yeah, that's uh, a lot of consonants. Yeah. It which is. which I love. 
It, yeah. it sounds like made-up Madden players, honestly. You got to collect as many consonants as possible on day three. That's the goal, you know, when you get to that point of the draft. Um, but you mentioned being confused as to why the Bears perceive tight end to be such a big need. Uh, I thought that was interesting. You know, you pointed that out. Can we talk about this for just a second? Because I'm sitting here, you know, you're going through this. I'm kind of listening to you, but I'm also finding the list of tight ends that the Bears, Bears have on their Bears roster. tight ends are such low-hanging fruit, but I guess <laughs> we can talk about it. We're all about low-hanging fruit, Andrew. We're not. We're not above that. Let's uh, let's talk about this. Uh, Chicago tight ends: Ben Broniker, Darlin, Darlin Clark, Darlin, uh, Jimmy Graham. We know that one. Demetrius Harris. Brand, but yeah. thank you. I. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I have a smudge on my screen. I couldn't see it. All right. Uh, Darian makes more sense as a name. Uh, Jimmy Graham, Demetrius Harris, J.P. Holtz, Jesper Horstead, Cole Komet, Dax Raymond, Eric uh, Saubert, Adam Shaheen. And then you also have to mention Trey Burton, who they released this offseason as well. So, um, I mean, that is quite the list of name. I, I believe there are 10 there <laughs> on okay, this roster. Can, can we can we talk about one thing before I jump into this tight end conversation? Other than, <laughs> other than Darian's no, just, first name? <laughs> well, yeah. Um, but reading their first names, you, so you got Ben, Jimmy, JP, Jesper, Cole, Dax, Eric, and Adam, which sounds like a lacrosse team. Um, but <laughs> but they're, so, so they have the fifth highest cap number tied up in the tight end position. They were number one before um, some things happened. The the Buccaneers jumped way ahead of them when they signed Gronk and, and some other things. But that fifth highest tight end position from, from a cap standpoint, that does not include the penalty, the cap penalty that they have for Trey Burton right now. Um, and they don't have anywhere near the production that the other teams that are up there do. Um, so it's really interesting at, I mean, I get it, right? You have Matt Nagy, who's coming from Kansas City and Philadelphia before that. Tight end is crucial in their offense. So they're just looking for somebody who can replicate what you saw with Travis Kelsey, uh, what you saw with Zach Ertz. But who do they have that's going to do that? And, like, I just don't know. Um, We know that historically tight ends don't typically adjust very well in year one. So Cole Komet... You have high hopes. You hope he can be a piece, but is he really like he's not going to be tight end one because I don't think he's going to be ready for that role. So maybe you're hoping that he can be tight end two or three uh, early on his career and just contribute enough. Uh, but then you're relying on Jimmy Graham to step into that role and be a big receiving threat. And we we saw Jimmy's limitations. I think he still has something left. I think he can be a good third down receiver, but you probably don't want to put him in a lot of blocking situations. I think you're you're pretty easy to read from a defensive standpoint when you have Graham on the field. And so what are you, where are you going to go to there? I lo- I've always loved Demetrius Harris as a move piece. But he continues to not live up to his athletic thresholds. Um, And then, you know, you have a bunch of just guys, right? Adam Shaheen has been not worth his draft stock to this point. Um, Dax Raymond is just a dude. Um, You know, you can throw Ben Broniker out there. These are guys who, like, if they're your third or fourth tight end, you're okay with that. But I, I just don't see what the answer is here. 
Yeah, and I think that that's, I mean, we're going to talk about the offseason as a whole here in a second. I think that's the question mark with a lot of these things is like, what was the philosophy behind what they did? Because I've seen a lot of justifications for the Jimmy Graham signing amongst Bears fans um, and also Bears like beat writers. These are guys who are not just like chatting on Twitter. These are guys writing articles. And it's been stated that they're hoping that Jimmy Graham can come in and be a, a presence in the running game as a blocker and then still be, you know, that kind of guy who can be like an outlet receiving option. And I, it's just so frustrating to me. You know, obviously it's a bear, so I'm fine that they do this to themselves. But I'm like, we've seen the sample size that that's not the player that Jimmy Graham is. You know, we celebrated the small moments when we're like, oh, yeah, I think he might have blocked on that play. Like, you know, and we held out hope. And I think as Packers fans, we continue to hope uh, that he would continue to produce. And, you know, I think we we wanted him to have that kind of success in Green Bay. And we just never really saw it. So that's the confusing thing here, because I just I don't see how they want to use him matching up with the player uh, that they are actually getting. So really interesting uh, to see how Jimmy Graham fits in um, with a it's lot of become- these younger guys. It's become painfully obvious that the Bears scouting department does not watch Packer film uh, after <laughs> the haha Clinton Dix experience um, and, you know, how they thought he was just going to step in and replace Adrian Amos. And Packer fans kept saying, nah, <laughs> and, and it's the same thing with Jimmy Graham. They think that he's going to be this guy that he was three years ago. And I, I just don't know how that can happen. Could he could he have a, a you know, 500 yard receiving year? Sure. But um, I mean, you're going to have to throw it to him a ton of times to get there. And obviously, like, I mean, getting the quarterback thing figured out for the Bears is a big deal. And so bringing over Nick Foles. You know, they think that's a great move. We'll see what happens. But, I mean, of all the tight end moves that they make this offseason, they let Trey Burton go. And I know that there's financial implications and good reasons to do that, and his production has not been there. But, I mean, you're bringing over Nick Foles. And, you know, like the idea of, like, just kind of rekindling some chemistry between players he's had success with, it was so close. You had Trey Burton on on the team. You could have matched him up with Nick Foles. Obviously, that's not a decision that they made. But, man, all the, the shifting pieces, it's going to be really interesting to see which of these guys make the team? Obviously, it's going to be Cole Komet. It's going to be Jimmy Graham. And then from there, I think it's kind of, you know, maybe Demetrius Harris. But, I mean, they keep four guys maybe. And there's going to be, like, a competition for that one spot between, like, six guys. It's kind of crazy. But will be really interesting uh, to see. Chicago loves their tight ends almost as much as they love their kickers. And uh, we can just, you know, celebrate them uh, stocking these positions with so many players, I guess. Yeah, so uh, we we took a look at free agency and we worked our way through the draft class. Um, so I guess we're going to get to talk about who had the better or worse offseason. And I'm going to go first because I'm selfish that way. And I think from a personnel viewpoint, they got worse. Now, if you're playing Madden and you upgrade Leonard Floyd to Robert Quinn, you feel really great about that. And then you can kind of just fill in the rest of the starters that you sort of lost and your depth guys, right? Like you can just fill in free agents. In the real life, or in the real life, in the the real world, in real life, it doesn't work that way. And you can't just lose a bunch of solid starters and then assume your team is going to be as good. And yeah, guys like... Prince Mukamara, guys like Kyle Long, guys like Haha Clinton Dix, even, you know, as much as we make fun of them, 
those are players you have to replace with other football players who now have to step up in areas that they haven't before. They also got a lot of their depth cut out. Um, and so now injuries and, and, and just the idea of staying healthy become much more important to this team. So there is lots of internal improvement that could cause them to have a better record this season. I think their defense is still a top five unit in this league. I, and like I said, you know, Robert Quinn could make them even more dangerous. So if they can get any consistency from the packing game, packing, <laughs> I cannot talk right now. From the passing game, they could be better than the eight and eight that they were last year. I absolutely see a path to like nine and seven, maybe even ten and six if if they really get the offense clicking and they could be a playoff team, right? Especially in this expanded format. I just don't think that the improvement is going to come from any of the additions they made on the team, especially on offense. Yeah, I'm completely with you here, and I know what I'm about to say is true of all NFL teams to an extent, but I think absolutely true of Chicago and the way that they've handled this offseason. If they're going to get better as a team in 2020 than they were in 2019, it's going to be because of some young guys who took a year two or year three jump. They need young guys to step up in a big way, and that includes guys like David Montgomery, who needs to have a big second year. They need a second wide receiver, or I guess simply a receiving threat to emerge. Maybe that's a tight end. Uh, But we know it's not Jimmy Graham. I mean, we're not trying to be mean, but that's probably not the case. Allen Robinson cannot do this alone. He can't be the only threat. So someone like Anthony Miller or Riley Ridley needs to step up there. Uh, But then I know Andrew mentioned the addition of Jermaine Effetti coming over from Seattle. But Effetti was just as bad last year, if not worse, than both of the Bears' starting tackles last season. So I'm not sure if they should expect that that helps them on the offensive line. Honestly, the only players that I think you really get excited about on offense right now, if you're the Chicago Bears, at least for what they offer you in this coming season, 2020, I, I would say Cody Whitehair, James Daniels, and Allen Robinson. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe if you're, you're a Chicago fan, you see a lot more, um, you know, of a bright side here. But outside of there, that, there are not a lot of things that you feel really solid about. There's a lot of question marks on this offense. And then on defense, for a team that has banked on their defense to carry them and be dominant at times, they've got some pretty big holes in there, especially in their secondary right now. A lot of young guys are going to get to play a significant playing time, uh, especially there at cornerback. And I'm not just down on Chicago's offseason because it's the Bears. I think that this is a team that spent money pretty poorly this offseason between Jimmy Graham and Nick Foles. It's just really hard for me to get behind how this team chose to spend their cash and the return that they expect to get on those investments. They threw out a lot of resources. Maybe Nick Foles will prove me wrong here. I really like Nick Foles as a guy. I hope that success for him outside of being the Bears. Uh, But I, I do think... Uh, that this is going to be a team that really does see a little bit of a regression this year, um, as at least early in the season as they kind of get some of these pieces figured out. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be a really interesting one to watch. Not trying to just uh, get on the Bears, but I really think that they made some questionable decisions this offseason. Yeah, and one of the things, I, I guess I was going to skip over this, but if if you look at this team and, and this particular season, they're going to have one really important decision to make because they did decline the fifth-year option on Mitch Trubisky. Uh, and, and when the season gets done, they're going to have a pretty limited cap space. And if they need to resign Trubisky, if he has a, a bounce-back year and they feel like they can't live without him going forward, they're going to have to make some moves to free up the cap space to get him. Now, on the flip side, maybe they let him walk. 
and that clears up that cap space to deal with other parts of the roster. But then they're going to have to invest resources into finding a new quarterback. So, um, you know, from a Bears standpoint, if they have a bad season, that might be a, a much easier decision to make, right? Having having a higher draft pick. Um, but you you mentioned they haven't had a lot of draft picks, and this is not a very young team anymore. And so they're they're going to have a lot of difficult decisions to make. And I think they're really going to have to bank on being good this year. And unless something major changes in this offense, I don't know how they can um, consider themselves a Super Bowl contender, playoff team definite possibility but um to be a super bowl contender they're going to have to improve a lot on offense that we have not seen so far so uh when we look at that 2020 schedule we talked about the vikings last week and how the packers vikings matchups are front loaded in in the beginning of the schedule uh the bears games happen to be later in the season so on week 12 it's sunday night football in lambeau field between the packers and the bears my gosh kyle what an awesome (laughs) awesome setup those tickets are going to be insanely expensive uh and then week 17 noon in chicago um hopefully the packers are able to rest their starters because that field is going to be trash by week 17 (laughs) and in december uh so hopefully uh they don't need to win that game to solidify any playoff seedings but um yeah it's it's gonna be interesting so the bears matchups come later in the season and you mentioned something earlier about that yeah, I mean, this is a team that, uh, I mean, they have so many holes, especially on the defensive side. You'd really like to see those matchups early. You'd like to take advantage of the fact that they might be starting a rookie cornerback uh, opposite of Kyle Fuller. Uh, you'd really like to play him in, say, week two, three, when they're not sure what's going on. They've got uh, some rotating pieces there at safety um, with HaHa Clinton Dix leaving, and a lot of things just kind of up in the air. I think you'd like to take advantage of some of those things early in the season before that they've gelled. So it will be really interesting to see if late in the season by week 12, uh, things have kind of come together. And then, you know, week 17, this could be a very different team than we see early on. So it'll be interesting to see if they can get a lot out of these rookies and that helps them be better than maybe we think that they might be. Uh, but yeah, like I said, I when I looked at the schedule, I would have preferred to see them a little bit earlier in the season to take advantage of some of those things. Absolutely. Thanks for that insight. Uh, but that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Packaday Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. And you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Please remember to also follow at Packaday Podcast. Please subscribe and rate the podcast if you like what we're doing. You can get to Kyle and myself every single Friday. Next week, we're going to be back with a review of the Detroit Lions offseason. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember... Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. 
This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.